Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. Really, in order to find quality care, you often have to be on a wait list that's months long. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. The aggressive advocates who were looking to overrule Roe for so long, they really had no idea of the consequences they might be opening up. In this case, there very well may be charges that are appropriate. For example, trying to obstruct an official proceeding of Congress, right? That is unlawful. This is KCBS In-Depth. It's the conundrum of modern life. We're all too busy to get a good night's sleep, and so when we wake up, we're too tired to finish our to-do list and actually stop being busy. It's a vicious cycle that begins a new loop every morning when we hit the snooze button and sleep in for another 10, 20, 30 minutes, only to drag ourselves out of bed a little bit late and a little bit flustered. We then carry that frazzled feeling with us for the rest of the day, and sometimes back into bed where we toss and turn, and once again, miss out on the rest our body so dearly needs. But what if we could break that cycle of poor sleep? Well, today on the program, one local sleep scientist is going to offer a prescription to do just that. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, broadcasting throughout the Bay Area and streaming on the Odyssey app. I'm Keith Manconi. If you're looking for a New Year's resolution still, improving sleep habits is not a bad way to go. We all know better sleep makes us healthier, more alert, and simply puts us in a better frame of mind. But how to get enough sleep? With all the demands of life and all the distractions that the modern world throws at us, it can be a challenge. And so uh, navigating all that might take a little bit of extra help. So we are very glad to welcome on today Eric Prather, professor of psychiatry at UC San Francisco, where he also runs a sleep clinic. His new book is The Sleep Prescription, Seven Days to Unlocking Your Best Rest. Eric Prather, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So uh, we might be a week late here, but uh, I do think better sleep is the perfect New Year's resolution because uh, it touches on so many different parts of our lives. You know, uh, we get those benefits that we just mentioned a second ago, uh, but it also cuts the other way, too. You know, to get better sleep, we probably need to improve our daily habits a little bit as well. Uh, Really, what what I found in my own personal life is that a, a lot of things in my life just kind of snap into place when I am managing to get those sleep habits working. So, uh, let, let's start there, because I think a lot of us are hoping that there's one life hack, one magic fix we can use to get better sleep. You know, uh, we hear a lot about uh, getting rid of blue light uh, at bedtime. Uh, but a big theme of your book is that better sleep is mostly about how we spend our days. 
Right. I mean, you're 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 right on that sleep is a is a superpower, right? It it kind of can it's I think of it as kind of the glue that holds our life together. But oftentimes, you know, people think, well, you know, I really just need to work on this one hour before bed and things will improve. But in fact, um, you know, the the trick to a, a good night's sleep really starts with the moment that we wake up, right? There are things that um, we can do right from the moment we get out of bed, including the timing of when we get out of bed that can put us on a track for um, ensuring, or at least putting us in the best opportunity to have a good night's sleep. Um, you know, our lives are filled with kind of stressors and daily tasks that absolutely can kind of feed into what makes a good night sleep or a bad night sleep. And I think um, what the, the goal of this book was to provide some strategies to help people get that back on track. And in your practice with your sleep clinic, what are you observing in terms of the trends of poor sleep out there? Are we as a culture, as a people getting worse at getting enough sleep over time? Yeah, that's a really great question. I mean, so our insomnia clinic at UCSF, it's it's never a problem in finding patients, right? Like the 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 line is is kind of figuratively out the door, though we've moved to remote generally. Um, and you know, it 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 certainly is the case that people have difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, and waking up too early. And that is, you know, really distressing for folks. Uh, the trends, you know, suggest that, you know, in some cases it is worsening, certainly during the pandemic um, and kind of the, the, you know, the, in the midst of that, um, you know, everybody was having difficulty sleeping. Um, you know, interestingly, it was sort of bimodal in, in the fact that in the case that, uh, you know, in the beginning of the, the pandemic, some people actually were sleeping better, right, with the, the changes in moving to remote work, people having more autonomy over their time. Um, We're actually getting some better sleep. But of course, so many of us dealt with the stressors of kind of, you know, existential angst, Um, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, remote learning for your kids, kind of uh, being laid off, all of those things Mm. um, are always rattling around in in our sleep and can certainly, when we wake up, which is natural, many of us, all of us wake up throughout the night, multiple times, we just don't really recognize it. But when we have a lot of stress on board, um, you know, there's a tendency for us to kind of wake up, become alert and our mind starts going, right? And that that absolutely can be distressing. And as you mentioned in the, the beginning of the show, it's kind of a, a feed forward cycle where you have a bad night of sleep, your day is harder to manage. And then that ultimately uh, gives rise to further poor nights of sleep. And so, um, you know, when whenever there's a time where there's lots of stress that people are dealing with, um, there's an increased likelihood that uh, we're going to have upticks in insomnia. And that's certainly been the case uh, over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, luckily we have some tools to manage that. Yeah, well, we can uh, talk about some of those tools as we continue the conversation. Uh, Once again, speaking with Eric Prather, author of The Sleep Prescription, Seven Days to Unlocking Your Best Rest. And so if we're on, many of us, 
this somewhat dysfunctional cycle and our our sleep system is uh, out of whack i guess let's lay the foundation a little bit what what is going on when we are unable to get sleep when we lay our pillow down when we set the intention of going to bed and we just can't do it why is that happening yeah there there are you know there's a number of different reasons why people have difficulty sleeping i mean on the the end of, uh, you know, our sleep is regulated by two primary things. So one is our circadian rhythm, our internal clock, right? And this is why stability of say, waking up in the morning is so critical. Getting sunlight in your eyes is so critical so that you can kind of sync that internal clock. Um, and it la- allows things to move uh, better uh, within our bodies. The other is our homeostatic sleep drive that is kind of a, what I think of as kind of a balloon that fills up with sleepiness throughout the day. Um, and, you know, so ensuring that that balloon is big enough uh, for when you want to go to bed uh, so that you can sleep soundly. One of the things that happens when people have insomnia, and, you know, I'm really talking about kind of, you know, clinical insomnia in this case, is that, you know, sleep becomes really unpredictable. Um, people don't know when sleep's going to happen. And so, that's distressing. It takes a lot of mental effort. Uh, I always say that, you know, sleep is something that you, you never think about how it works at all until it stops. And when it stops working, people become really hyper-focused on that. Right. Um, but that thinking, that effort is actually incompatible with sleeping, Mm. right? Like you can't be thinking about sleeping and sleeping. Um, and so when people have insomnia, what often happens is they, they spend a lot of time in bed, not sleeping, right? They, because sleep has become so unpredictable, they may say go to bed earlier because they, you know, they want to be in the right place at the right time. But if your balloon isn't big enough, then it's not going to work. Um, if your anxiety is too high, it can override some of those sleepiness cues. And then when people spend an extra, all this extra time in bed not sleeping, what happens is you fracture your relationship with your bed. So the bedroom and the bed in particular are critical environmental triggers to bring on the feeling of sleepiness and allow you to let go, right? There's lots of things in our environment that tell our body what's what it's supposed to do. And that's the, exactly the same for sleep. And so, but when people spend a lot of time in bed, kind of tossing and turning, being worried, um, ruminating about the day uh, and doing that in bed, your body gets confused. It's no longer a place of kind of letting go and allowing yourself to sleep. It's actually one of alertness and anxiety and angst. And so, you know, there are behavioral strategies to try to fix that. Um, but, you know, that in combination with the, you know, a lot of people don't take the necessary time for winding down at night to that transition to bedtime. That's so critical to help your body kind of, you know, decompress from the day, turn the page and allow yourself to go to sleep. Plus all these other things that happen with insomnia are are often at the foundation of, uh, you know, creating a, kind of a storm that uh, leads to the experience of insomnia. Yeah. when and, and that speaks to one of the key ironies that you point out in your book, that uh, on the one hand, we live in this time where we have so much more awareness about the importance of sleep. More and more people are on board with the general project of 
uh, sleep health is uh, important and underlies so many important aspects of our lives. But uh, what that adds up to in a lot of cases is just a lot more anxiety about not getting enough sleep. And that causes some of the problems that you're uh, talking about right there. And I, I can, you know, I can relate to that in my own life. I live in a pretty small house. And uh, whenever anybody goes bump in the night, it wakes me up. And uh, as, as soon as I'm up, I'm, I'm just thinking about, oh, my gosh, I got so much more stuff to do tomorrow. Uh, and uh, the sleep that I'm losing is going to mess up tomorrow and then maybe the next day and the next day. And it, it just kind of makes a snowball effect that makes it harder to get back to sleep. So uh, it sounds like what you're calling for is really a systematic uh, approach to uh, getting that uh, sense of calmness back and uh, getting your whole day aligned uh, towards uh, uh, sleep at sleep time. Uh, tell us a little bit more about um, if you know if people are, as we said, looking for a way to approach this uh, as a, as a New Year's resolution. Perhaps how how did they get this whole thing started? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I I, I want to say that kind of all of the things that I suggest are kind of distillations of what we do in our clinic, which is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia which is the first line treatment for people that have insomnia, but also kind of the principles can be helpful in just managing, you know, individuals sleep generally. Um, you know, and I think whatever, whenever someone asks kind of like, what is the one thing that I can do? Um, the first thing that I always recommend is maintaining a stable wake time seven days a week. And that can be challenging, right? Like people don't love not being able to sleep in on the weekends. And if you don't have sleep problems, you know, it's fine to indulge, you know, like, you know, I'm not the fun police over here, but it's like, but if you're trying to work on your sleep, kind of creating this stability, um, kind of an anchor point for which your day starts with that helps sync your circadian rhythm, as well as kind of, you know, setting, uh, going your homeostatic sleep drive, those two things that I talked about a moment ago, um, it's really critical, right? Like that's, that's the first place that you, place that you can start. And I always focus on the morning because we can't control when we fall asleep. Right. Like that's part of the problem when people have insomnia. They want to kind of force it. They want to white knuckle it. So like they fall asleep. But I really like the way you put it how... is that sleep is something that comes to us. Exactly. Sleep is something that comes to us. Right. It's it's not something we make happen. Yeah. And, but we can control when we wake up. Hmm. Right. So that's the that's the place that we start. Um, and then, you know, throughout the day, there are kind of preventative measures that we can have so that stress doesn't creep in too much. So I talk about you know, creating kind of micro breaks to help you manage stress, um, tools to help you um, kind of get more enjoyment and movement in your day. You know, the behavioral drive of sleep is really important too. kind of being active throughout the day can be good for kind of stress reduction, as well as kind of ensuring that you use enough energy that you need this kind of restorative sleep. Um, and, you know, ensuring that you have this uh, time for dealing with the worries of your life. So one of the things that I, I talk about and that we do in the clinic is have people schedule actual worry time, right? So, you know, worries creep up in the night all the time, of course, but oftentimes they're things that we would have predicted would have come up, right? They're things that we're dealing with. And so one way in which we can prevent this is actually schedule out time where we can do this worrying, right? And so what, what, I, what I suggest is like, take 15 minutes out of your day you know, put it in your schedule, stick to it like you would stick to an exercise regimen and actually use that just to worry, right? And you can write it down, you can just think it out, whatever, but use that full amount of time. But when that 15 minutes is up, you're done, right? Like it's like on the clock, you move on to the next thing. And you, you know, in this way, in the middle, if you make this a practice, 
if if things crop up in the middle of the night, you can say, look, I already worried about this today when I was thinking more clearly and I have it scheduled for tomorrow. So I can let these things go. And when people become, you know, get in the habits of these things, it can help you this self-talk talk um, to allow you to kind of let go of those sorts of things. Um, you know, and then, you know, other things like creating this important transition time uh, for allowing your body to kind of wind down. All of these things, you know, put people in a better position to increase the likelihood that they're going to have a good night's sleep. Um, but I also think important in this discussion is the idea that bad nights of sleep are normal, mm. right? Like oftentimes with this concern about kind of sleep health, which I love, right? Like sleep is my jam. Like I'm all about it. Yeah. But, you know, it like life is hard. Like sleep is can be variable and our bodies are built for this, right? Mm. Like ask any parent of a newborn child, like you can go without sleep. And it's important that we can. It's really because your body will compensate. When we deprive people of sleep in the laboratory, like we do at UCSF, um, and then they're allowed to sleep, they actually drop into deep sleep like immediately because your body can make up some of this. Now, chronic sleep deprivation certainly has a cost, and there's lots of literature to suggest that it has harmful health effects. But, um, you know, in these acute settings, we certainly, our body has these kind of processes to help us cope with this. And, and I, I speak about that just because I want to kind of reduce some of the anxiety that people have. Because oftentimes when people have bad nights of sleep, exactly as you described, they're worried about like the next day, the next day, the next day. And if we actually track that out, we find that, you know, for most people, you can cope pretty well. Just in the middle of the night, it seems so catastrophic. Mm. But in reality, it isn't. And I think that's that's a really critical piece to to think about when thinking about how we deal with our sleep and and what we can do to fix it. Yeah. All right. Well, a lot of important points to pick up on there. Real quick, I'm going to remind listeners that this is KCBS in depth, your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Menconi. Uh, today, well, everyone needs it. Some struggle to get it. A good night's sleep. We're hearing advice on how to make this dream a reality for all of us in the new year. Our guest is Eric Prather, who runs a sleep clinic at UC San Francisco. His new book is The Sleep Prescription, Seven Days to Unlocking Your Best Rest. And so a lot of what you're talking about there are habits during the day, uh, just ways that we can change our daily routine to make it more conducive to sleep. And uh, it... it, it it, it all kind of hints at this is a full lifestyle. Getting good sleep is about uh, lifestyle, and it's about staying on a consistent rhythm. And one of the pieces of advice that uh, you give that might be a little bit surprising is that starting out, um, if if you know things aren't working and you need to really hit a hard reset to make sure that you can get onto that consistent rhythm, for some period of time, staying up very late might be a good starting point. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, this, this is really, that idea is really taking advantage of your homeostatic sleep drive, right? This balloon that is filling up with sleepiness throughout the day. Um, oftentimes people who have trouble sleeping, uh, spend a lot of time in bed, not sleeping. Uh, and so in the clinic, what we do uh, once we have that information that we collect via a sleep diary, and there's one in the book, but um, what we, you know, we have people collect it because it's really about kind of using someone's individualized data to understand what, how we can change around their sleep schedule. But one thing that we do know is that if we can keep people up later than they typically will, that, that, that balloon will get really big, 
right? Though, and for people that have insomnia, it will bring it over time. It will bring up these sleepiness cues, kind of this feeling of sleepiness that they haven't felt in a long time. You know, people with insomnia often describe, you know, having bad nights of sleep. But when you ask them if they're sleepy, they usually say, no, I'm tired. Hmm. Right. And those are different, right? Like feeling tired and your body kind of like not having the energy to do the things you want to do is different than that sleepiness that you feel in your head and your eyes where you can kind of nod off um, because insomnia is a difficulty in doing such a thing. Right. And so, but, but our, our bodies have this regulatory capacity to allow us to sleep and, you know, by keeping people up later than they usually would, uh, it actually can bring on this sleepiness and can override any of this anxiety that people might have about getting to sleep, right? They'll be reacquainted with this experience of sleepiness. And if this is done kind of night after night, say over three, four, five days, you know, what will happen is individuals' sleep will become more consolidated. They may not be getting as much as they want, but there's something about it all being in one kind of big bolus, right? This like big dose of sleep that actually feels subjectively better mm. than that same amount of sleep or even more of that sleep broken up, right? We can, you know, we all have had this experience where like our sleep is broken up throughout the night. And even if we got say eight hours or seven hours, it might feel like you got four hours because of the, the continuity. But by kind of keeping someone up and keeping their wake time standard and doing it over a series of days, it will create this increase in sleep continuity that um, will not only feel better to the person, but importantly, builds confidence that they can sleep. Yeah. Right. Like it, it, it reacquaints them with this and builds self-efficacy so that they're not worried about like, oh, my God, am I going to fall asleep tonight? Because now they have this proof that they are if if you can let your body do it when we kind of use these extreme conditions. Once someone's sleep is consolidated, of course, we begin to move their bedtime a little bit earlier so they can get the sleep they need. But um, it, it is a great and powerful tool for kind of this reset, as, as you mentioned. Yeah. And so obviously the, the mental game here is extremely important and uh, not psyching yourself out, not getting anxious uh, around uh, the bedtime. Um, I want to go back to uh, something that I raised a little bit earlier, which is uh, this this notion that we need to avoid blue light uh, before bedtime, you kind of lump that advice into the broader category of sleep hygiene, uh, just the, you know, the habits around bedtime that we need to do to not get in the way of sleep. And um, uh, just paraphrasing a little bit, correct me if I'm wrong, but my, my, my sense is that you think that all of those um, uh, sleep hygiene techniques, they're important, they have a role, but they're not the be-all, end-all. And in some ways, they can be a, a distraction to this bigger project of getting our whole life aligned with sleep. Yeah, I think that I think that's, that's right. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess you know, for some things you can do all the things that I'm suggesting, but if you, you know, drink a, an espresso right before bed, you know, all bets are off. Right. So in that case, like certain things are yeah. really critical, right? Like, so substances that, you know, affect the brain that, you know, alter our ability to sleep or in, you know, enhance our ability to stay awake can, can absolutely be really critical to take care of. But those are, you know, most people have heard of those things and they, they, they you know, there's a checklist, right? So alcohol, uh, exercise, caffeine, all of those things, you know, need to be at the right time at the right dose. Um, the blue light, uh, 
you know, thing that you bring up now, you know, there's lots of interest in, in blue light and, you know, it's really nice that a lot of our, uh, you know, devices have filters that can filter it out, or there's glasses that you wear that can filter it out. Um, I, I, I think that in general, uh, when we think about winding down and that transition to bedtime, the thing that is that far outweighs the exposure to blue light is the content in which people are engaging in. So, you know, mm. things like, you know, social media is a great example that, you know, you could have the night shift filter on, um, on your phone, but it, so you're not getting the blue light, but if you're engaging in like doom scrolling for two hours, uh, you know, it, it, it certainly is going to increase your alertness more so than the blue light would. And so I think it's really mm. about kind of ensuring that you're doing things on these devices that are, are kind of not really engaging, right? So we don't want to kind of like keep hitting that reward center in our brain that keeps us awake. Um, and so, you know, when we talk about kind of this transition, I certainly, it, people can do things to help wind down and they can use devices. They should put on these night, sh night shift filters or, or what have you, but really engaging in things that are kind of low arousal, slightly positive, um, that aren't going to keep you coming back. I mean, one of the challenges with the internet and a lot of the social media is that it's designed to keep you to come back, right? It's in, it's designed to be engaging. And those things, getting your brain active in that way are kind of the enemy of sleep. And so, you know, keeping all these sleep hygiene things in, in check is really important, um, but also kind of ensuring that you're putting yourself in the right position to wind down and kind of drift off to sleep. Yeah. Uh, speaking once again with Eric Prather, author of The Sleep Prescription, Seven Days to Unlocking Your Best Rest. And uh, only have a, a few minutes left, and I think that we've dispensed a fair amount of advice at this point. But to since we have a sleep scientist on the program, I guess we should dispense a little bit of sleep uh, science, and maybe we can uh, use that as a uh, motivational tool to help folks understand uh, why this is a project worth getting on board with. What do we know at this point uh, about the importance of sleep, why we need it, and why it does seem to make a, such a big difference in our lives? That's a huge question. And, you know, it's 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 just rife with kind of unknowns. I mean, mm. it's clear that sleep is critical for health. Kind of large-scale epidemiologic data show that when people get insufficient amounts of sleep, which is typically, you know, less than six hours or so on average, they're at increased risk for a whole host of negative health outcomes from cardiovascular disease outcomes, hypertension, uh, cardiometabolic conditions like increased risk for type 2 diabetes, obesity, uh, there's growing interest in the role of sleep and the development of neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's. And we're starting to understand some of the mechanisms for how this works. But, you know, even, even outside of the physical health uh, realm, mental health outcomes are tightly linked to sleep. We know that when people don't get enough sleep, uh, they're at increased risk for depression, anxiety conditions, and, you know, sleep disturbances are, are highly com comorbid with, with those types of conditions. And then, you know, laboratory studies where we deprive people of sleep kind of show these profound, you know, impairments in things like cognition, um, but also kind of in social aspects, right? When people get the sleep they need, we know from laboratory studies that they're kind of better people, right? We're like better parents, we're better partners, we're more productive, we're more creative, we're more empathetic. And so I, I think that the data is showing that not only does sleep 
play a critical role for our health, both physical and mental, but it really makes us kind of best versions of ourselves. And, you know, in this, this day and age, I think that's what we, we all are striving for. Um, and, and, you know, trying to improve our well-being more generally. And in uh, the last minute or so that we have left, I mean, I, I, I think another big message of this book, at least the subtext of the book, is that, you know, sleep habits are something that can be changed. Uh, a lot of us may just think of ourselves as light sleepers, as not very good sleepers. And uh, definitely we are coming into this at, with um, uh, different levels of limitations. Uh, some people are going to struggle more than others, but uh, there, there are real changes that can really make a difference. Absolutely. I think the, the, the good news is that there's lots of things that can be done. I, I do think of this book and, and cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia more generally as more of a, a recipe than a menu, mm. right? That it's like, you can pick and choose, but really these things work best when they're done together. Um, and then like a, like a recipe, uh, whatever you're making, it, it needs time to bake, right? So it like, you know, you, you do it and then over time, kind of you'll see kind of changes on average over say the course of weeks. Um, but there are great opportunities to, um, you know, take a look at your sleep, uh, make these changes, and then really begin to be your own sleep scientist to see kind of what what these changes mean for you. And so I, I urge people to kind of take a look at their sleep health and and make these changes in the new year. All right. Well, a good uh, project to start the new year off on. I uh, hope everybody has some happy sleeping in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, we have been speaking right here with Eric Prather. Once again, he runs a sleep clinic at UC San Francisco. His new book is The Sleep Prescription, Seven Days to Unlocking Your Best Rest. Eric Prather, thanks so much. Thank you. And thank you all for listening for KCBS and In-Depth. I'm Keith Benconi. Stay safe, be well. Talk again next week. You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.